Oh my gosh, Ponzi, I feel like you would actually wear this. Wear <laughs> <I'm> these. <scared. laughs> no, they're cute. They're Maryland flag vans. I would definitely wear those. Yeah, right? <laughs> How did you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Daisy in the other room is nodding. <laughs> yes. This is What's with Washington. Where you ask the questions about our region, about the place we live. About your neighborhood. Anacostia. Prince George's County. Pentagon City. Woodley Park. Columbia Heights. And WAMU Answers. I'm a second generation Washingtonian. Ward 5. Welcome to What's with Washington. I'm Michaela LaFrac. Today, we're talking flags by looking at the big three of the DMV, the D.C. flag, the Virginia flag, and, of course, the one that sparked the question, the Maryland flag. A listener wrote in asking, what's with Maryland's flag? It looks like an unresolved fight between a coat of arms and a NASCAR flag. This description is actually not uncommon, so I decided to find an expert who could make sense of it, and I found Jack Lowe. He's a retired pediatrician and the president of the Chesapeake Bay Flag Association. We are known as vexillologists, people who study flags. I love that word. Vexillology comes from the Latin vexillum, which was the banners that the Roman legions carried into battle. Oh, I have to admit, I practiced saying that word about 10 (laughs) times before you got to the studio today so that I wouldn't mess it up. Even many people who are in the association say vexillogy or vexillology. Amateurs. It's it's Vexillology. hard. Hard word. I originally met Jack when I first reported on the Maryland flag, and I wanted to talk to him again because when it comes to the flags of the DMV, people are passionate. So I started by asking Jack how he and his fellow vexillologists decide what makes a flag good or bad. There are good flag designs and bad flag designs. There are no good flags and bad flags per se flags are what they are, and it is our job as vexillologists to to understand them and to parse their meaning. You sound like a parent with your children. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're not a bad child. Yes, it's just <laughs> what, you did, what you did was, you know, your behavior <laughs> was bad, exactly. Um, the, you know, there are certainly design elements that are important. Keep it simple. Use meaningful symbolism. The flag's images, colors, or patterns should relate to what it symbolizes. Don't use too many colors. Make it distinctive. Never put a seal or writing on a flag. And the reason for lettering is that you have to think about how a flag is used. And it may be fine if it's, you know, hung up on the wall behind the city council. You can read City of Podunk. But when it's flying from a pole 30 feet away with the wind flapping it, like the, you look at the Montana flag, and half the time you're not looking at the flag of Montana. You look at the, at the flag of Anatom. So let's start with the Maryland flag. It's made up of four smaller rectangles. Two of them are yellow and black checkerboards, and the other two are red and white crosses. And we got into this last time because of the question about why is it such a mesmerizing mess? Yes. You can violate <laughs> the rule on simplicity because it, it, it works as it is. Sure, no kid could ever draw just from seeing it the first time, but you can learn 
how it's supposed to go. So history trumps simplicity. History trumps simplicity. And because of the bright colors and the fact that it's really a very pretty flag, even though it's complex, it's really caught on in terms of people knowing it. And you can buy products with, uh, like these socks I'm wearing. You can. Those are amazing. You can buy. They're great with your loafers, You can buy Jack. scarves and bow ties and underwear, too. I don't want to know if you have those or not. No, I but. don't. <laughs> so so even though the, the Maryland flag has gotten really popular recently, it dates all the way back to colonial times, Colonial right? times, because it is the family banner of the Lords Baltimore, the Calvert family, just the black and gold part. And the red and white part was Lord Baltimore's mother's family, the Crosslands. And what I read was that you would start to see that part of it more during the Civil War, Confederate families yes, would fly yes. the red and white mm-hmm. part yeah. uh, in front of their houses. Right. A majority of the Marylanders who fought in the Civil War fought for the Confederacy. And then after the war, in a sense of reconciliation, really, it was decided to put the two of them together officially. And there has been some pushback recently about using both yes. parts of the flag because yes. of its connection to yeah. the Confederacy. And this is, this is a, a current topic of discussion all over the place, but uh, I don't think it's going in. It's very, very hard to get a flag changed. Jack socks are just the tip of the Maryland flag swag iceberg. So I thought it would be fun to go on a little internet search to find the weirdest items that we could that are covered in the Maryland flag design. For this flag swag hunt, I'm joined by producer Ponce Rutch, a Maryland native. Thank you. And a lover of patterns. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. So. Ooh, I got a bathroom shower curtain. Ooh. It could be too much. That sounds like. Oh, I, I have a mini skirt. A mini skirt. Yes, that sounds real fancy. Oh, I like that actually. The shower curtain's a little bit too much because they didn't do the whole flag. They did like a repeating motif of the flag. Ah. I mean, I love the Maryland flag, and that's that's a little much. Doesn't that make like your brain kind of hit the sides of your skull when you look at it? I feel like I would get hypnotized every time I tried to get in the shower. Ooh, look an umbrella. I like that's nice. That is nice. Yeah, I really like that. Plus, it would be so bright when it's raining. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Look what Tell I me. found. Is that a full body suit? Yes. You can cover your entire body with the Maryland flag, oh including my God. your face. <laughs> Who buys that? My like cousin actually Outlandish has... robbers? Yes. <laughs> the least stealthy burglar <laughs> in the whole world. The other flag in the area that ends up on a lot of things is the DC flag. Jack and I will get into that next. Plus, a special correspondent looks at what the truly dedicated do with the stars and bars. Hi, it's Diane. The next meeting of my book club is on Wednesday, May 31st at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll host a discussion of Mad Honey by Jody Pico and Jennifer Finney Boylan, followed by a conversation with the authors. Find out more and register at dianereem.org slash book club. What's your question about the Washington region? We want to know. Go to wamu.org slash what's with or give us a call 202-885-7250. We'll choose our future episodes from the questions you send in. Send us your questions. When it comes to living in the district, the D.C. flag is a huge part of local culture. So Jack and I had to discuss it. The District of Columbia flag, flag. which is derived from the coat of arms of George Washington's family. 
the three red stars and the two red bars. And the impetus for the D.C. flag was following the First World War when Noyes, who was the publisher of the Washington Star, wanted the district to get representation in Congress. And he was beginning to agitate for that. And it should have its flag. So if you wanted to treat us like a state, we're going to need a state flag. And so there was this man by the name of Dunn, uh, who was actually a graphic designer. And he had started uh, monkeying around with with ideas for flags for D.C. going back to about the time of the First World War. And from a design standpoint, it follows all the basic rules of good flag design. It's simple. It has two colors. It's symbolic. It has no lettering or seals. uh, And it is distinctive. You go, D.C. Yes. Well done. To go even deeper into the D.C. flag conversation, I wanted to bring in an expert on all things D.C., Rachel Sedone, editor-in-chief of DCist. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Michaela. I hear you have been doing some research about how ubiquitous the D.C. flag is here in the district, and I'm super curious. What did you learn? So there were a couple of places that immediately came to mind when I heard you were doing this story. There's a lot of city pride here, and one of the places where you can really go to find it and to buy it is this place called Shop Made in D.C. Um, I'm Stacy Price. I am the co-founder and chief localist here at Shop Made in D.C. Her job for years has been to promote artists, crafters in the district. When we opened, I thought that it'd be really cool to sell products that were locally made, but I never thought that I was going to sell as many products that, like, had the three stars and two bars on it. You know, they get a lot of tourists that come in here. They're looking for something that's way better than the stuff you find on the mall or, you know, regular D.C. tchotchkes. They're, they're looking for something really special. And it's locals. Plenty of locals are going in there, too. And they're the ones that are like, I want a tote bag that has the flag on it. And now, I mean, like, in initial meetings when I have with makers, I'm like, oh, that's great. But what would happen if we put two bars and three stars on it? And the thing is, the flag was sort of like, we walked around, it was on all sorts of things, and even in a lot of cases, it's hidden. I think this is one of the really cool things. Hidden? What do you mean? We, in our logo, we have the three star. we have two bars and three stars, but they're, yeah, oh, see, it's right there. It's right there. It's very subtle. Yeah. So we, but we you can't, you can't not see it. You can't not, yeah. I love that people are like, yeah, so psyched to show off the flag. Too. Yeah, in all sorts of ways. I mean, we, we walked around that store and there were twists on the flag. You know, like, like what we saw. This has come up now twice in my reporting on this, and I'll tell you the second time later. But the bars being replaced with bacon and what? the stars <laughs> being replaced with eggs, we saw that on a print. Oh, my God, look at the onesie. Look at the onesie. Yeah. You really, it's really, it's kind of like a scavenger hunt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Again, here's the, you had the bacon eggs, now this is the veggie version version of the flag. Oh, wow. We have the produce. I like that it's just, it's like it's simple enough that you can kind of do anything with it, but it gives you enough of a structure. I think that once you go out into the world now, you're going to see the flag everywhere. But one of the things that, I mean, maybe the first thing I think about when I think about how people latch onto the flag is tattoos. Because that is a thing here. So I have heard there are people in our station that there, have DC flag tattoos, right? That is true. Quite publicly, in fact, uh, Kojo Namdi, along with Tom Sherwood, got them with 
Ward 3 council member uh, Mary Che as part of a pledge to WAMU a few years ago. That's amazing. That makes me love him so much. It really is. Nikki, didn't you do one of the tattoos on the Koji show? Did you do, Nikki, the Koji show? The Koji show? <laughs> you tattooed Koji? I did not draw that lucky straw. I oh. Mary. Oh, Mary Che. Sitting Ward 3 council member Mary Che. That's amazing. I see them all the time, especially when I'm in yoga class. I'll like look around <laughs> and see, you know, someone has one on her neck or on her ankle. They're everywhere. They really, but really it's cool. are. It's like a little community. I thought so. Um, but I wanted to talk to a couple of tattoo artists to kind of get their take on it. Um, mm-hmm. Here's Matthew Knopp. He opened uh, Tattoo Paradise in Adams Morgan uh, in 2003. We do lots of DC flags. <laughs> You missed a DC flag. I did a DC flag Stop earlier. it. Yeah, somebody came in yesterday. Oh, somebody came in yesterday, and then they came in today, too. Wait, what? Oh, funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I was just happened to walk in. No. Like, earlier today, yeah. you did a DC flag yeah. tattoo. Yeah. So I went there to talk about DC flag tattoos, and he'd already given one that day and one the day before. That's so funny. So it's like a one-a-day kind of thing. I mean, I think in different places it varies. He said it, it's not quite that common usually, but they see them all the time. Because it's such a just a little iconic image. You know, it's just so graphic that, you know, you can either do it, you know, they, people either get it colored in or they get it, you know, the outline or they, you know, take the, get rid of the stars. And, you know, I've seen it with sprockets for bicycles. I've seen it with plates. I've seen it with with bones, I've seen it with skulls, I've seen, you know, you name it, somebody's kind of, you know, they thought like, oh, I want to do it like this, or I want to do it like that, so. And here's where the the bacon and eggs comes back. <gasps> he told me that he had tattooed somebody with that very image. Oh my God. Um, and Matthew himself even has his very own DC flag tattoo. Ooh. Uh, I got a little, yeah, like a miniature version. <laughs> Mini version of it? Yeah, it's like a... Uh, <laughs> oh, wow, oh my God, it's cute. That's like a cute little, it's on his finger with, the little stars, huh? But that's sort of the point. You couldn't get almost any other flag tattooed on your finger because it's a complex design. But this holds up really no matter what the size, you know, just like a little sort of representation of a star. That's uh, awesome. I also, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sort of picturing this guy as like your classic tattoo artist, like bigger dude, tons of tattoos all over him. Well, so, so one of the other things that I was talking to um, Matthew and a couple of other tattoo artists was, who gets DC flag tattoos, you know? Who who are you seeing? And their answer was everyone. There was no one group or age or race or native Washingtonian versus newcomer. It's They sort of see this happening all of the time. Would you ever get a DC flag tattoo? <laughs> you know, in the course of reporting this, I was like, should I get a tattoo for a story? That's how I'm feeling right <laughs> now, and I can't tell if my feelings are valid or not. I mean, you know, I think if I was somebody that had other tattoos, I, I think that there's a real likelihood I would have done mm-hmm. it. So when I was talking to Jack Lowe, the vexillologist, I might have suggested that since he loves the DC flag so much that maybe he should get a tattoo. No, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm too old for tattoos. But I don't know if Kojo can do it, Jack. Yeah, I think but anyone can. he's got better skin than <laughs> I think. Yeah, I, I, you know, no, I think about it. I mean, I think, though, you know, what these tattoo artists said was there's no requirements for getting a D.C. flag tattoo. That's sort of their point. Like if you if you if this has meaning to you, even if it's just that you really love the design, go for it. So, Jack Lowe, do you hear that? We got, give you I got permission. The, I got a couple numbers for you. <laughs> we'll um, hook you up. <laughs> After the break, we tackle the Virginia flag. I'm Daisy Rosario, managing producer of podcasts here at WAMU. I'm so glad that you're enjoying the new What's With Washington podcast. 
everything that we do here is made possible by listeners just like you. Next week is the final episode of season one of What's With Washington. So to support this podcast and help us answer more ambitious questions about life in the DMV, visit WAMU.org and click on the donate button to become a member today. Thank you so much for listening. So here's the thing about the Virginia flag. Compared to Maryland and D.C., it's just not good flag design. And I say this as a proud native of Virginia. Picture this. It's a blue flag, like the most normal blue you could imagine. And in the middle is this really detailed state seal. If you look closely, you'll see there's a woman with one breast exposed with her foot on top of a dead guy who symbolizes tyranny. Under him is a Latin phrase, sic semper tyrannis, or thus always to tyrants. And the whole scene is surrounded by a wreath made out of a plant called Virginia creeper. Seriously, Virginia creeper. Also, the dead guy's crown is thrown off to the side, but it kind of looks like it's just floating in the middle of the air. And for some reason, that detail always makes me laugh. The Virginia flag. The great state of Virginia, my home state flag. Your home state. I feel a lot of mixed feelings about it. This is what vexillologists refer to as an SOB flag, a seal on a bedsheet. Very difficult to see the intricate designs of seals at a distance. Even in our vexillology group, if you if you were to flash, say, Maine and New Hampshire, you know, it would be hard pressed to see which one is which. I really hope that's like a test that you guys do to each other, where you just fly a flag really quickly and oh, people we, have to yeah, guess who pay, it, yeah, what it is. Pick up car, you know. We actually went to uh, Tyson's to the mall and yes. talked to a bunch of people about whether or not they knew what the Virginia flag looked like. I'm from the public radio station from WAMU. And we're doing a story about the Virginia flag and if people know what it looks like. A nice blue, I think. It's like a white circle, some lady. Can't remember what she represents. Definitely not a lady. Uh, I think it's the guy who's got like a sword or a scale. Uh, Is that the one with the lady? Standing over the person. Um, Never pay attention. It doesn't have a guy stabbing somebody or like a dead person standing on top of them or something. Yeah, that's really close. Is that the one where the last attorney general tried to cover up the picture because the one breast was exposed? There is a boob. Yeah, Yeah. I remember that was one with the last administration. It's just boring. Like, it's just blue and has, like, a circle with, like, someone in the middle. Can we show you a photo of it? Sure. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say a triangle, but it's a circle. Okay. But you got the dead guy. Yeah. And a dead dead man? Okay, see? I wasn't wrong. <laughs> but you weren't 100% right. <laughs> okay, but you said there was no lady. There was, in fact, a lady. I thought I always thought that was a tunic. Like, you know, that's how they used to rock it back in the day. Oh, it is a scantily clad lady. Uh, they're conflating the story um, of the boob on the, the bare boob on the lady on the Virginia flag with Attorney General Ashcraft. That was the statue of justice in the uh, Department of Justice. And she has one or both, I think probably both breasts exposed. I was going to ask you, does Virginia have the distinction of having the only state flag with a breast upon it? And it originally was not bare. It became bare. It became exposed? Yes, it was originally covered up. I I can actually... Oh, Lord. The Virginia state flag was adopted in 1861 when Virginia seceded from the Union. Uh, Oh, that late? Yeah, they decided that they needed to have a state flag. And 
it, it seemed like a fairly obvious choice because in the 19th century, seals were much more important than flags. In the days of pen and ink where everything was on paper, the seal was a very important mm-hmm. element, much more so than, than it is in the modern day. There is definitely a correlation between good design, memorable flag, and the use of the flag as a branding device. Mm. Every place you go in Texas, every hinge on the doors in the state capitol in Texas has a star on it. So places that have good flag design, the flag, or distinctive flag design, even if it's not quite so good, like Maryland and California, uh, get used. Thanks to Jack Lowe for his hard-hitting flag analysis, to our question asker for inspiring this deep design dive, and to Rachel Sedone, who any day now, I will invite on a field trip to get our matching flag tattoos. Coming for you, Rachel. This show is produced by Daisy Rosario, Ponce Rutch, and me, Michaela LaFrac. Original music for What's With Washington by Ben Privet. WAMU's general manager is JJ Yore. Andy McDaniel oversees all content. Jeffrey Katz is our news director. Want to learn more about the people and places you heard about in this episode? Head on over to wamu.org slash what's with to get all the details. While you're there, browse around. Our newsroom has answered a ton of questions from listeners, and the answers are all there. That's wamu.org slash what's with. New episodes of What's With Washington drop every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Michaela LaFrac. See you next time.